Hello, I'm Owen. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad you're listening. For more information on all that's going on at Wellspring, please visit www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. take our Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. We'll start reading in verse 1. Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So he starts here, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. We know Paul, who was Saul, the zealous persecutor of the church. He was what we would consider anti-Christian. <laughs> he, he was persecuting the church. He was um, zealous for his religion. But after his conversion, he found a relationship, a relationship with Jesus Christ, and he became uh, a blessing to the very church, to the very people that he tried to persecute. Paul was called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ or by Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. And as you read and study the book of Acts, you can see Paul's journeys 
throughout the Roman Empire as his, his calling, his burden was to evangelize the lost and, and start, establish local churches. And as you read through Acts, specifically in, in chapter 19, you'll see the story of how he was at Ephesus and how he, through Christ, through the power of Christ, was able to evangelize the area around Ephesus, which was a city that was very ungodly. It was a city that was given over to the worship of the goddess Diana. And amazingly, amazingly, uh, a church was established there. A lighthouse in a community to draw and, and bring glory to God, to preach the gospel to the lost and to continue to encourage the Christians. Now, Paul, as he writes this letter, he's a prisoner in Rome. So that's interesting to keep in, in mind. This is a, what we call a prison epistle. And you'll see that in, in Ephesians 4, 1. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. Prisoner, he said, of the Lord. He says in Ephesians 6, in verse 20, for which I am an ambassador in bonds. He's still serving the Lord, but he's in, he's in bonds. He's imprisoned, right? He said, I'm an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Although he is a prisoner, and I, I point all that out to say, that's all he says about being a prisoner in this letter. Which is interesting, isn't it? I mean, think about you if you were in prison for preaching the gospel and awaiting your, your death, which did happen. And you wrote a letter back to the church. Is that all that you would mention? You know, what he was far more concerned about was their spiritual condition than his physical condition. That's, that's interesting. Paul was far more concerned about the believer's spiritual condition than his physical condition. I'm afraid that we as Christians worry way more about our physical condition than our spiritual condition. We probably pray a lot more about our physical condition than our spiritual condition. We're far more worried about our physical condition than our spiritual condition. But Paul, is, he, wants to, he wants to drive home this point in Ephesians about their, their, their spiritual condition. We looked at through Christ in Philippians. I can through Christ. That was the series that we did. And I think we're starting a new one uh, today uh, in Christ. In Ephesians. In Christ. Matter of fact, I wrote it at the top of my Bible above, above Ephesians. I wrote... In Christ Jesus. That's the theme. And I'll try to point that out even today as we read how many times he talks about in Christ Jesus. He writes to the believers. You see it right there in verse 1. He says the believers which are at Ephesus. That's where they were at physically. And the faithful in Christ Jesus. So they're at Ephesus, but they're in Christ. And what Paul's wanting them to know is where they're at. It's really good to know where you're at. You know, you get your bearings. It's good to know where you're at. It'll keep you on track. Where am I? Am I in Christ? 
Am I in Christ Jesus? It's good to know. Paul was at Rome, in prison, persecuted by the government. But you know what he remembered all the time? He was in Christ Jesus. Makes all the difference in the world. They were at Ephesus in a city totally given over to idolatry. But Paul writes to remind them that they're in Christ Jesus. Christ in us. And us in Christ, that's the church, the body of Christ, is us in Christ. Again, find how interesting it is that these six chapters of this letter, how very little he talks about his being at Rome, and how much he talks about being in Christ. Why? Because one matters a lot more than the other. And it takes a lot to remember that. Because this is what we can see. This is what we can touch. This is what affects us all the time. But, you know, the Roman Empire didn't last. Did it? But Christ, His kingdom is eternal. It's eternal. And we can lose our way as Christians if we don't stay grounded. Stay grounded in Christ and where we're at. Who we are. In Christ, where we're at in Christ Jesus, the, sec- the security that we have in Christ Jesus, the promises. I mean, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but if you're in Christ, then all the promises to Christ are to you. And if we ever forget the promises that are to us, the promises that we have, boy, we can really we can really uh, lose our way pretty quickly. Let's continue. We're going to continue reading down through this chapter. It says in verse 3, and this goes right along, this goes right along with the song Dan just led us in. Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. There it is again, in Christ. According as He hath chosen us in Him, in who? In Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blemish before Him in love. We bless God, the Father, that's what He says, We bless God the Father because He's blessed us. We love Him because He first loved us. We know Him because He revealed Himself to us. It's a good thing. We talked about the fear of the Lord last week. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to come to the recognition that we would not know Him if He had not revealed Himself to us. We would not know Him. But he decided to reveal himself to us through creation, through conscience, through his word, through his spirit. He reveals himself to us. Had he not, we'd be lost and blind. We'd never know him. But we bless him. Why? Because he's blessed us. And, and I've mentioned this before. We bless him in a very different way than he blesses us. Because there's nothing that he needs from us. That goes along with the fear of the Lord. There is nothing that he needs from us. 
But there are things that we need from him. Salvation, grace, forgiveness, all these things we need from him. And he is willing to bless us with these things through Christ or in Christ Jesus. That's how he blesses us. Without Christ, we are not blessed. It's through Christ that the Father blesses us. And so what, how do we bless him back? What does he accept from us? That, that he, what pleases him? Well, we, we give thanks. We give thanks. I mean, I, I've said this a lot of times. You know, sometimes you feel like, uh, is church, is this a waste of time? Let me tell you this. If you walk in those back doors on a Sunday morning and sit down and thank him for what he has done, you have not wasted any time. This is the best thing you've probably done all week, to be able to focus on him and give him thanks and praise him for what he has done and say, you know what? You rose from the dead on a Sunday morning 2,000 years ago. I will come here and praise your name and bless you and thank you for all of you've done. If that's all you did, I'm telling you, it is worth your while. Why? Because it's one of the few things that we do that God, uh, God wants. I, he doesn't need it. But he receives it and it pleases him. It pleases him. Our singing pleases him. That's amazing to think about that our singing and to thank him, to bless his name, to be able to just to say thank you. Um, Our kids sang uh, a song just recently here at church. But when I think of this, it reminds me of that song. Oh, bless the Lord. Yes, bless the Lord. Well, bless his holy name. Let me not forget all his benefits or the blessings that he gives. Lifting up my hands to the great I am, let me never be ashamed. With all that is within me now, oh, bless his holy name. (laughs) Now Jesus is to me my everything, and I bless the day he came. When he gave me drink from the fountain sweet, so I'll never thirst again. Now through the Spirit of the Son to the Father I can say, For your saving blood and for all you've done, bless your holy and sweet name. Sing with me. Oh, bless the Lord, yes, bless the Lord, well, bless his holy name. Let me not forget all his benefits or the blessings that he gives. Lifting up my hands to the great I am, let me never be ashamed. With all that is within me now, oh, bless his holy name. We need to remember that. We want to worship him and thank him. He is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our our uh, worship to bless his name, to bless his name. How does he bless us? Well, that's what we're going to that's what we're going to talk about maybe over the next several weeks, how you and I are blessed in Christ Jesus, his blessings. God, the father's blessings are toward us in Christ Jesus. That is how we access all the blessings of God is in Christ, his grace and his salvation toward us. Now, it takes two words to say grace and salvation. But it would take a lifetime to to experience 
what that really means to an individual. It would take a lifetime to think about what is the grace of God toward us in Christ. The salvation that He has. To understand all that He has given. But here's one thing that you can know. That He is the giver. God, the Father, is the giver. The blessings do not come from anywhere but from the Father. And they don't come through anyone but the Son. That's just the way it is. That's the way God has it. And so He is the source. He is the origin of all spiritual blessings. All spiritual blessings. How do you know that you've been blessed with all spiritual blessings? You know, sometimes you may think, well, I don't feel it. How do you know? Well, one, He said it. (laughs) And it takes faith to believe His work. But He's given us some evidence of it, hasn't He? He's given us some evidence that one day we're uh, going to receive our inheritance. He calls it the earnest of our inheritance, the Holy Spirit. He's given us a, a proof of purchase, a, a bill of sale, if you will. That Holy Spirit indwelling us, sealing us till the day of redemption. You may say, I have an inheritance. Yes, the Bible tells us of an inheritance that's to come. For each and every believer. And can I tell you, the inheritance is out of this world. (laughs) And it has to be out of this world. Here's why. The world could not contain it. The world could not contain it. The world is not eternal and our blessings are. The world is not pure and our blessings are. I mean, the world just could not contain it. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Can I tell you that sometimes you can get backslidden and away from God and begin to question your own salvation. But when you get in God's Word and start reading the truth of the Gospel and the truth of salvation, if you are a child of God, I can tell you this, the Holy Spirit inside of you will confirm it to you. And when you're walking with the Lord, there's nobody that can talk you out of it. Sometimes you may say, well, I'm not sure if I'm saved. Well, if, you, if someone can talk you out of it, then you need to trust Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. But when you look at the truth of what it is, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm talking about the third person of the Trinity moves inside of someone. And you know you're a child of God. Not you hope. You know you're a child of God. He goes on to say, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of who? Of God. And joint heirs with who? Christ. Now do you see some importance here of why Paul would focus on this to the Ephesians? Those at Ephesus? He's saying, look, don't waller in the pig pen when you're a prince of heaven. When you're a child of God. I mean, I think if we really recognize who we are in Christ, it would change our attractions. It would change our desires. It would change all these sort of things. It's like the things of this world would seem so small when we recognize the promises of God to us 
through Christ. He says we're joint heirs with Christ. If so be that you suffer with him. That you may be also glorified together. For I reckon Paul says. That the sufferings of this present time. Let me tell you this. Why did Paul use just a couple words to to talk about his imprisonment in Rome and his future death? And all of these other words to talk about spiritual things. Because Paul reckoned that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. Meaning, I reckon it's not worth talking about my persecution and my suffering compared to how wonderful and great are the promises of God for all of eternity. Oh, that we would get that mindset and that value system that Paul so clearly had throughout the Scriptures and he was trying to get us to see the, the, the difference between the two. He's trying to tell them, those at Ephesus, that, the, that they're so rich in Christ. They're so rich. No matter how, and they were persecuted. I mean, this, you read, go back and read in Acts, you know. In this country, they were not taking the gospel of Jesus Christ very, very, uh, the city, they were not taking it very easily. They were persecuting the Christians there. And you know what he said? Don't worry about it. You're rich. You're blessed in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, don't be so consumed with the things that are down here. You know, the world economy is monopoly money compared to the riches that shall be. Now for the lost and for the unbeliever, that's all they got. I mean, that's all they have. For someone that does not have the promise of heaven and the promises of God and does not have the promises of the joint heir with Christ, well, then the monopoly money is as good as it gets. You know, this is as good as it gets. You know, eat, drink, and be merry. But for a believer, this is as bad as it gets. I mean, this is as bad as it gets. And it's pretty good. For those that are heirs of heaven, we would function different. And as Christians, you know, we are called to, to function, to work in both worlds. But the, you know, there is a physical and a spiritual. There is an earthly and a heavenly. And we are to be engaged in both. It doesn't mean that we're not engaged in the things of this world. We are. I mean, we are called to be the light. We're called to be the salt through Christ. Christ in us. And so we got to be engaged. I'm not talking about just, you know, nothing matters. Oh, it matters because it affects eternity. Let me tell you this. Paul was very engaged in his calling. Here's what I believe. I believe the more that we know about the heavenly and the, and the promises that we have of the heavenly, the more zealous we would be here about God's business. That's what I believe the more active we would be in the physical to preach of the eternal, to tell others the good news of Jesus Christ and to preach of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we always remember which one comes first. You know, our earthly position here on earth, who we are here on earth, does not cause us to be interested in the heavenly, but the heavenly 
Our position in Christ is what drives our interest to the earthly things. I hope that makes sense. What I'm trying to say is who we are in Christ is what motivates us. I believe that's what was Paul's motivation here on this earth is who he was in Christ. His heavenly position is what propelled him to his earthly calling. And that should be us. Always recognizing that one is greater than the other. That the spiritual realm is greater than the earthly. Right? The authority of the spiritual realm is greater than the earthly. The dangers of the spiritual realm. That's why Paul talks so much about putting on the whole armor of God and very little about his, his, his losing his head to, the, to Rome. Why? Because, hey, he says, you can lose this, but you better be putting the whole armor of God on spiritually because one is far more important. Spiritual dangers, spiritual traps, and spiritual enemies are far more uh, dangerous than the physical. I feel like that's interesting to think about as he, as he focuses on it, you know. The riches of the spiritual are far greater than the earthly. The duration of the spiritual. I mean, you know, this earth is temporal, but we're eternal. And so that, we got to remember these things. He says in that passage, he has chosen us in him that God the Father has chosen us in Christ. I mean, the vast glory of salvation. This is not an earthly plan. The gospel, when you preach the gospel, and you should, if you've received it, we're called to preach it, right? So maybe I should say when you preach the gospel, you are preaching of a heavenly plan. This is not a plan that Paul came up with. Let me say this. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is bigger than Paul the Apostle. And Paul always knew that. I mean, this, is, this, is, this was from, from the foundations of the earth. God chose salvation in Christ. It begins with the Father and ends with the Father. And we are the beneficiaries of it. We're the beneficiaries of the gospel of salvation. You know, you think of the Old Testament story of Noah. And his family in the ark before the judgment of God that came. The ark is a picture of salvation. Right? They're in the ark. The floods come. The judgment of God comes. And what are they? They are safe and secure in the ark. Right? Now, God told Noah. He said, prepare an ark for the saving of your family. Prepare an ark. And by faith, Noah obeyed. By faith, Noah built, right? When the floods came and the judgment of God came, Noah and his family, they were safe. They were secure in the ark. And I'm here to tell you today that my salvation, my ark is Christ. That I believe in the judgment of God. I believe in it. I believe that the Old Testament prophets prophesied of it. I believe that Christ prophesied and told of it. I believe that the New Testament writers told of the, the total uh, destruction of this earth and all the judgment of God that is to come. But I am not in the least bit. I mean to tell you this. You say, do you believe in global warming? Yeah, I read. I read Peter. It's, the earth is going to dissolve. 
Absolutely. And I am not in the least bit concerned. Why? Because of the ark for myself. But you know what I should be concerned about? The people around us. I should be concerned about not the earth. There's no hope for it. (laughs) I'm telling you, there's no hope for it. But you know who there is hope for? Each individual. Each individual. Why? Because each individual has a soul that is eternal. And this is God's plan from the foundations of the earth. The gospel. Salvation. This is a big deal. I'm just saying it's a big deal. It's bigger than the earth. I'm trying to get the, get the idea here. The gospel is not just like, uh, you know, this is not an American thing. This is not a, this is not a, this is not something that is a, a Western thing. This is not a, uh, this is not a, you know, it's not even 2000 years old. You know, Christ died on the cross according to the plan of salvation from the foundations of the earth. You know, I may have found out about the gospel 30 some years ago as a child and trusted Jesus Christ as my savior. But it's a lot older than that. It's from the foundations of the earth before the world was and after the world is gone. God planned salvation to redeem us, to buy us back to himself. And you and I. Get to be a part of that plan. Not only be the beneficiaries of that plan, but also the messengers of that plan. Again, I'm trying to think that Paul is is telling the Ephesians, no matter what you got going on in your life, your short life, the greatest thing you have is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to preach. Anything and everything we do is passing. But the gospel of Jesus Christ... Oh that, oh, that we as a church would be soul winners for Christ. Something that's going to last eternally. Something that's going to last. I hope we get that burden, that vision. He goes on to say in chapter 1 and verse 5. Having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. Again, I know I'm going to, but that's the series, In Christ. So, I mean, it's, it's the whole book. God's going to adopt us as children. How? By Christ. The whole, the whole blessing is because of Christ for us. In Christ. He says, the adoption of children by Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will He's pleased in us being his children. This is amazing. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, (laughs) in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Adoption, adoption by Jesus to himself. We are, can I tell you this? We were born again rich. You were born again rich. You didn't work for any of these spiritual riches, any of these spiritual blessings. It was all the grace of God toward us through Jesus Christ. We've been accepted. We've been accepted in the beloved. You know what that means? 
And, and I'm not saying this with arrogance. I'm saying this because of the great grace. We belong in heaven. He made it for us. He prepared this place for us. We're accepted in the beloved. It pleases him. This pleases the father to welcome us into his family and to share his spiritual wealth and inheritance with us. Wow. This is what we have to look forward to. You know, enduring some suffering and enduring some hardship is a lot easier when you have something to look forward to. And this isn't pie in the sky. This is more real than what you're enduring. This is what we have to look forward to. A child of God, join heirs with Christ. He says in verse 7, in whom, in Christ, we have redemption, right? He says, in whom we have redemption. In Christ, we have redemption. In Christ, we have forgiveness. In Christ, we have riches. I got to tell you, most, most Sunday morning messages, I've hopefully started them uh, several days before, by Wednesday. And I did not have a message nor a series to start. Uh, and it was Saturday. And I got up early Saturday morning. And I don't know why, but by Saturday, if I don't know what I'm preaching or if there's not a new series starting, I start sweating. You know, because you get to thinking, you know, you have this whole Bible, but these strange thoughts come in your mind like, what if I can't come up with anything, you know? Uh, They do come through my mind. So Saturday morning, all of a sudden, this verse just kind of jumped out at me. And I mean, really jumped out at me. Ephesians 1, 7, which prompted this message and the series to come, um, which is in whom we have redemption through his blood. And then once the Lord showed me that on Saturday morning, I just went to, to writing, then left to to go to uh, Miss Amy's dad's funeral in Cincinnati. And Mark was preaching the funeral and he took time to talk about her dad and his journey over these last two weeks and them being able to lead him to Christ and Mark being able to show him this and just amazing thing but he talked about how many times and let me back up mark said i want to tell you one of my favorite things in my christian life is how many verses there are in the bible but how many times uh, god will show me things by having two different people from two different areas have the same scripture and the odds of that at the same time and they had this happen multiple times while they were down with amy's dad okay and so, and, and he goes into this whole testimony talking about this. And then he says, and I want to read this verse, Ephesians 1, 7. And I was like, you know, I know you're not supposed to say amen at a funeral or whatever. But I was like, God's speaking to me. I mean, like, that was amazing how, you, you know, sometimes you're wondering, am I on the right track here? But God speaks to us through his word. I mean, he does. And the fact that he had just went into this whole explanation, how God does that. And then at that moment he did that, I thought, all right, we're on the right track. Thank you, Lord. Right. But we have redemption. We have redemption. And and that's the that's the actual word that Mark used over and over with his father-in-law to lead him to Christ is redemption. What a great word. I had to look up the definition just to kind of help us to think about it. Redemption, to repurchase of captured goods or prisoners. The Lord redeemed us. He bought us back from the captor, from the penalty of sin, from the bondage of sin, from the, from the payment of sin. 
The act of procuring the deliverance of persons or things from the possession and power of captors by the payment of an equivalent. (laughs) And I got to thinking, you know, Christ is far more than equivalent for me. Like Christ paid for my ransom. And I would say that uh, he overpaid when he paid for me. Right? He overpaid when he paid for me. For ransom or for release. Deliverance from bondage or distress. Wow. I mean, that's what he did. He redeemed us. And then I started thinking, I'm not going to sing to you guys all this morning, but I started thinking of the song, Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed by his infinite mercy. A child and forever I am. Redeemed, redeemed. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed. A child and forever I am. You know, we sing those songs. It's always been my hope that when we sing the congregational songs, that we don't just engage our mouth, which is important, by the way. I love how loud it gets in here when we're all singing together. I mean, the louder you sing, it'll drown out your neighbor who's off key. So it helps us all. No, really. I I like it. I like singing loud. Not, you know, I like the music. But you know what I think? Music loud's one thing. But the voices of the redeemed being lifted up in God's house is about the best sound that there can be. So not just engaging our mouth in the singing, but engaging our hearts. When you, when you sing a song like that, redeemed, redeemed, right? Don't just redeem, redeem. Think about it. Okay, I was in bondage to sin. I w- there was a, a captor that had a hold of my life. But then there was the blood of the lamb that was applied to my account. And just think of yourself as receiving a federal pardon and how excited you would be. That that's greater than this because it's eternal. You've been redeemed, right? And boy, I'll tell you, when we engage our hearts into these type of songs, whew, God is glorified because he looks at our heart. I mean, he, he loves our praise and the worship of our mouth, but he, he looks at the heart. When we're saying the words, are we, are we saying them to him, right? Redeemed. He says, by Christ, we've been redeemed. We've been forgiven. We've been justified. Now, we all know we've sinned. But when God looks down at us, he sees us justified. Just as if we'd never sinned. Why? Through Christ Jesus, through the blood of the Lamb. That's the riches of his grace toward us. This is the great plan of salvation. This is God's plan, God's purpose Toward us in Christ Jesus. Paul describes an individual's experience in this great salvation. I'm going to read these verses. And I want you to do an exercise. I want you to ask yourself if you've ever experienced this. And if you haven't, then today is the day of salvation. Not are you religious. Not have you always believed that there is a God. Not have you always believed that Christ died on the cross. But have you ever put your faith in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? So let's read these. Read these verses. This is how you can know that you're in Christ. 
starting in verse 12. Ephesians 1, starting in verse 12. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Who did you trust in? Christ. Was it a, was it a denomination that you trusted in? No. Was it a person uh, you know, that you knew that was a good person? No, it was Christ. We trusted in Christ. In whom you also trusted, verse 13, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So what, what happens to happen first? You have to hear the gospel, right? Hear the word of truth, the gospel. In whom also after that you believed. That's the second step. You heard it, you believed. You were, here's the third step, sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of His glory. So you heard the word of truth. You heard the gospel. The gospel is the way of salvation. There's no other way. You say, what is the gospel? The gospel is that Jesus Christ, God, manifest in the flesh, came in human flesh. He lived a sinless, perfect life. He fulfilled the law, showing that He was sinless. Showing that He was the spotless Lamb of God, worthy to pay for the sin of the world. After He was examined, He was declared righteous, declared innocent, and He died on the cross for our sins. He died as a payment for our sins. He made the redemption possible. He died for our sins. His blood was shed. He was buried. And three days later, He rose from the dead. The resurrection. He is the first fruits because He rose from the dead. Then you and I have the hope of the resurrection. He is alive today making intercession for us as believers. The gospel is that Jesus Christ is the way to God. The only way. And we have to put our faith and trust in His payment for our sins. And so here's the thing. You just heard the gospel. That is the gospel. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and rose again. So that you and I might be saved. But have you believed it? Have you believed it? Have you, have you engaged that gospel? Have you? The Bible says man believeth unto righteousness. You don't work for your righteousness. You believe the gospel and, and righteousness of Christ is imputed to us. Have you ever done that? Have you ever believed the gospel in this way? If not today, today's the day. And if you have, then you know this to be true, that you're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Spirit is the earnest of our inheritance. It's like earnest money. This is, you know, it's put down. God gave us a, 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 a down payment. He gave us a proof of purchase. You say, how do I know I've been born again? Here's my proof of purchase. The Holy Spirit that indwells me, right? The third person of the Trinity 
He is indwelling us until the transaction is completed. It's not completed yet. You and I both know that we, are, we still have bodies that are, are sinful. That we don't have glorified bodies yet. That we don't have all the glory that God has promised for us yet. But we have a proof of purchase that one day he will finish the work that he started. That's the Holy Spirit indwelling us. And if you're saved and you're born again, you know that. You know that what I'm saying is true. You know the Holy Spirit agrees with this message. This isn't just take my word for it. This is, this is the Bible and the Holy Spirit inside of you agrees with that. That is truth, right? So if you're here today and you don't know that, You've never trusted Christ as your Savior. You can't say the Holy Spirit dwells inside of me. My body is not the temple of the Holy Ghost. Today you can. Today you can know for sure. In just a moment as Dan leads us in a, in a song of invitation, I'll, I'll give a chance for anyone to trust Christ as their Savior. A time of prayer to trust Christ as your Savior. And let me tell you, if the Holy Spirit's working in your heart right now, prompting you to do that, There's going to be a struggle that goes on. There's going to be a struggle. Can I tell you, the best thing to do is to surrender yourself to the gospel. To surrender yourself. To humble yourself and say, you know what? This is is truth. This is truth. And I will put my faith in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. For the believer. This message rings true to you. The Holy Spirit inside of us telling us, you know, the Holy Spirit's inside. And what, what, you know, we just focus on the world, focus on the world, focus on the world. The Holy Spirit is grieved with that. But when the Holy Spirit inside of the believer hears this and hears the truth of eternity and the high value of the spiritual things and the gospel, the Holy Spirit inside of us is like, Amen. You, you experience that? The Holy Spirit inside is like, that's right. I have been focusing on the wrong things. That is what's important. That is what's right. You know, that, I believe that. You know, deep down inside, there's the Holy Spirit prompting us as Christians saying, yeah, that is what the value system should be. Paul was teaching us the right thing through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The author himself lives inside of you. The author of this. Isn't that amazing? Calling us to an eternal purpose and an eternal inheritance. But I want to I give each person that chance to know that they have eternal life. To trust this gospel today. So we're going to bow our heads in prayer. And I'm going to pray a prayer. You don't have to repeat my words exactly. But it's to help you trust Christ. To help you Repent and ask the Lord for salvation, to, be, to know that you have eternal life. I want you to think about this and with your heart, with your mouth, pray this prayer and ask Christ to save you. Say, God, I know I'm a sinner. God, I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for me. That his blood was shed. That he died. That he rose again. Redeeming me, making a way that I could be made right with you. I'm putting my faith, I'm believing the gospel, I'm believing in Christ and asking you to save me, 
to forgive me of my sins and to be my God and my Savior. Contact us page on our website or write to us at 2094 East State Route 73, Waynesville, Ohio 45068. And feel free to visit us if you're in the South Dayton, Ohio area.